All right, everybody, I want to take a quick pause here just to fill you in on a little bit of new information and happenings with the I Know You Hear Me podcast. Not only did we bring Dubby Energy on as our partner, but we also joined the Rum Runners Podcast Network. And if you like this show, let me go ahead and tell you you're going to like all the other shows in the family of Rum Runners. They've got something for everybody, almost like this podcast. They've got comedy podcasts, paranormal and true crime podcasts, pop culture, lifestyle, health and fitness. You want it, they got it, just like this show, and we are happy to be a part of the Rum Runners family. So go check out the show notes, click on the links down there, and go check out these other shows and support them just like you support us. And then go over to the W Energy link and use code Flynn Hendricks for 10% off and get yourself some jitterless pre-workout with all natural ingredients. And I know you hear me. Hi, this is Marcus Canelo, and you're listening to the I Know You Hear Me podcast with Flynn Hendricks. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with another chance to do a deep dive into my crazy mind for the Flynn Hendricks experience. And today we're doing this eh, maybe a little late because it's technically the day after, but we're going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to me and something so important that I even got it tattooed on my body. We're going to be talking about the anniversary of my first professional wrestling match. And, man, it's crazy to say that that was 16 years ago as this airs. Um, November 16th, 2007. 11-16-07. Before I get too far down memory lane, I first got to ask... Have you gotten your dubby yet? Because I got mine ready to go. It's already been poured. It's already been shaken. It's already been mixed up. And that's what's going to get me through this podcast here today. Because if you want some natural, great-tasting energy without the jitters, without the crash, then dubby is the way to go. I mean, and if you want to up those workouts like I have and take it to the next level, then get the dubby. Don't get the jitters. And enjoy the taste, enjoy the flavor, and even get a sample pack. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Find out which flavor you like and get 10% off while you're at it. Just use my code Flynn Hendricks and check the show notes for how to do that. But, man, so let's talk about where this all started for me in this wild, wild, wacky world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. The highs, the lows, and, man, everything in between. Um, <clears throat> so... I started training in July of 2007 at a place, if you've been around Nashville, then you're probably going to know this place, this rat trap called the Stadium Inn, which first thing you see when you walk in this hotel is a sign on the door that says, prostitutes and drug dealers keep walking. Um, This place is not what you would expect at first glance for professional wrestling if you've only seen like WWE or at the time TNA, which that's coming back as a thing, which is awesome to hear. But when you see stuff like that that's going on in these big arenas, you don't think about these seedy, underbelly places that might host professional wrestling. You know, occasionally you hear about an armory or you hear about somebody's story where they wrestled at the local VFW. But this place, I showed up the first day for training in July, about a month after I graduated high school, not even knowing I was in the right place. Come to find out I was in the right place, they just weren't training that day. 
So I go back the next Friday and go to a show and ask, you know, I asked the guy behind the counter, not knowing that he was the promoter, Tony Falk at the time, and ask him, you know, hey, um, when does the training happen here? How do I get involved with that? I love to get my foot in the door and chase this passion because I've been a fan since middle school and it's really the only thing that I really want to do, even though I'm going to college here in about a month or so. And this all came after I had originally talked to Coco Beware a couple years before and stayed in touch with him. And he gave me his blessing to go. Um, I think later on that might have caused some resentment because he was originally going to train me after I graduated high school, which, I'm sorry, not graduated high school, graduated college, because he was very adamant that I had to have an education, have a backup plan, have a degree, which hearing anybody say that as a professional wrestler these days is a is an absolute fucking rarity and it's something that i highly encourage too because this won't last forever our bodies are not made to do this forever our bodies aren't even really made to do this you have to build up a callus for it and i definitely learned that but yeah but he when he found out it was tony running it he gave me his blessing because he knew tony from memphis and you know tony was trusted to have the first match of a lot of guys like the rock like kurt angle i mean he helped uh I believe it was Lex Luger learned how to do proper lockups, collar and elbow lockups in the Jarrett's dining room up in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So if anybody knew anything, it would be this guy. I mean, he was the referee for Stone Cold Steve Austin's first match. But, you know, Coco gave me his blessing. Later on, uh, we kind of fell out of touch, and it was hard to get back in touch. And come to find out, there was a little bit of resentment there for that, even though he gave his blessing, but that's neither here nor there. But, so we do that. I show up and do the training for about four months. Um, I think out of my original training class, I am the only person still doing it. Um, there was a guy who was doing it for a while who was never really taken seriously, never really invested in any, in any gear, and never, never really took the time to get smart to the business. He would always say, you know, I'm showing up to fight or, or whatever. But another guy started the training, was very athletic. He was the guy that everybody thought was going to be the standout. And he just kind of fell off before we even had our first matches. Um, there was another guy named James Duncan who was no longer with us. He was about a you know 300-pound guy, but he'd originally done some training with uh, Brian Kendrick up in uh, North Dakota, I believe, prior to this. So he was very, very talented, very agile for his size, threw a beautiful drop kick that you would not expect. There was another guy named Lee Cross who is no longer in the business. Um, and then there was me. I was probably the smallest person in this class. Not really one that had an athletic bone in his body at the time. Still probably don't. Didn't know how to take a flip bump. Had to learn how to do rolls and all this. I was basically starting from scratch. I was five foot six and 140 pounds soaking wet. This is what I call my manorexic phase uh, straight out of high school before I got the freshman 15 that comes from college. So you start in July... Get told we're going to have our first matches in November of that year. Um, James had his first match in October. I had mine in November. And then I believe Lee had his in December. It was somewhat of a, a progression like that. And I think the other guy ended up having his first match at a student showcase in, in December as well, if I remember correctly. But we get to that. I make sure I have proper gear. I make sure I have, you know, everything. I got boots that were two sizes too big. I still have them to this day. They're beat up. They're worn out, but they came from high spots. Um, Rob Conway, of all people, not knowing how he would play a big impact in my career later on, uh, 
answered a message on MySpace of all places and got me in touch with uh, Pro Wrestling Wear or World Wrestling Wear, I believe is what it was called. And I got my first pair of tights made. I got a pair of biker shorts made as well. And, you know, I wanted to come in ready to go. I was working out while I was in college. Um, you know, I was coming back and forth between there and Chattanooga. And I had my first match in front of a packed crowd in Stadium Inn. Uh, it was a fatal four-way with myself, the son of Tony Falk, LT Falk, who was my trainer at the time, um... Another guy who was a little bit more established named Derek Neal, who at the time was performing under the name Boy, and then another guy named J.C. Crow. So it was a fatal four-way, and first pinfall wins. Now, I had people there that came from me knowing them in high school. My dad even showed up, despite telling me he wouldn't. He showed up literally as I was about to walk through the door. And I'm the last person out in this first match, nervous as can be, and I had no clue... Even though we'd gone over stuff, gone over stuff in rehearsal beforehand, it was just an absolute nerve-wracking experience. Got in there, started getting into a flow, and we start going into the finishing sequence, uh, which is going to end up being LT, you know, hitting me with this. He's got me in a fireman's carry, but instead of me facing the mat, I'm facing the ceiling. He grabs me by the head and flips me over into a DDT, which is where I get dropped on my head on the canvas. And we did this in rehearsal. Went through fine. On this one, I ended up hitting my head, and I hear the referee say, let's take it home. So being a little loopy and hearing that, I don't think to raise my shoulder to go into the final sequence of the match, which I think this actually helped me more than it hurt me. I was upset afterwards. People thought I was legitimately hurt. Um, I just, uh, you know, I felt like I failed. I felt like I failed, but it ended up leading to a match with me and LT uh, a week or so later. I lost again, student versus teacher type of thing. And then it was about another month or so before I had my first match. I still continued to train and all that. But, you know, it's just, I, I felt like I had completely failed. Like, this is what I wanted to do. This is all I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to make it anywhere because I ruined my first match. I couldn't even kick out and get to the finish, which is originally going to be me rolling out of the ring, LT hitting a finish on one of the other guys, and dragging me back into the ring and putting me on top for the cover. So kind of like a generosity win, so to speak. But I definitely think that would have hurt me more than it helped me. I want to take a minute and thank our newest sponsor and partner, Dubby Energy. And while I'm doing that, I want to ask you a question. Are you like me and trying to find that pick-me-up throughout the day or just trying to find a way to get yourself going when you wake up in the morning? Well, then look no further because I'm about to give you my exclusive code to Dubby Energy. And if you don't know what Dubby Energy is, let me fill you in a little bit. It's a natural energy drink that doesn't have the crash, doesn't have the jitters. It's keto-friendly, and it has all the good ingredients that your body needs to help focus, getting energy, and keeping going throughout the day. And you don't have to worry about the crashes or the jitters at the end of it. I've started using it, and God almighty, do I notice a big difference. My focus is where it needs to be. My concentration is on point, and I am absolutely crushing it in my workouts. And it's helping me on those long road trips to wrestling shows, too. Because, you know, as a traveling world television champion, I'm all over the place. I've got husband responsibilities. I've got dad responsibilities. I've got everything going on, and this stuff helps me get through it all. So if you want to try it for yourself... Use my exclusive code, Glenn Hendricks, all one word, and use the link in my show notes below to go check out W Energy and get some for yourself and feel as amazing as I'm feeling right now. And you won't be disappointed. And I know 
hear me? Because the fans, outside of that first interaction and the group of people there trying to cheer me, or that were there cheering for me, the fans never really took to me as a good guy, which ultimately gave me more fuel for the fire to become the villain that I'm still doing to this day. And, you know, it just, despite me begging, despite me pleading, despite me pointing out the obvious, you know, it just, I was kind of the black sheep there. Tony, to this day, still does not technically claim me as one of his students for whatever reason. We always just butted heads um, because all Tony ever saw me as, and this is all, this is verbatim what he told me, he never saw me as anything more as an enhancement talent. I was there to put the guys over that he had been loyal to or been loyal to him that didn't even have gear, but would show up every week and would get a reaction from a small portion of the crowd. But it got to a point where everybody and their mother would know that I was losing as I was walking to the ring. And it just, it, it did not work. Try as I might. Try as I might. So I ended up having to leave. It was a big butting heads situation. So I left Tony's for about a year. Came back and things kind of started to steamroll from there. But I mean, it just, it, it's crazy how this little sequence impacted so much of my life. Because I've made it a point to not only pursue this dream and these endeavors, put my body through things a human body should never go through because it, it's a legitimate thing. Uh, having a former uncle that was a chiropractor and then even going to chiropractors today, all these slams that I've taken, I've never done anything seriously insane, but you know, taking a body slam, taking a regular body slam or just taking a regular flat back bump is the equivalent of being rear ended in a 20 or 30 mile per hour accident. So just imagine doing that multiple times in a match and then getting in a car or getting on a plane if someone is flying you somewhere and putting your body through extra tolls there. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous uh, that we do this and, you know, doing that, going to college full-time, getting a full-time job, becoming the manager of a sporting goods store, getting my degree and not getting a lot of sleep at the same time. And for the first three to four years, I was still in a very robotic stage. I was kind of... It, you could tell I was going through the motions trying to remember what would happen next instead of being in that moment and listening. I had some opportunities to work with some very big names, but I would also fall prey to being, you know, the butt of a joke or a rib in the back, as they call it. And some of them were in good fun. Some of them were just by complete absolute assholes who I should have stood up to at the time, but had it in the back of my mind. If I did it, I'd get kicked out of the locker room. But you know, ruin the chances because I couldn't calm down because they had me convinced going in that these people would completely kick my ass and kill me. Little did I know that they were going to do that because I couldn't just be in the moment and listen to what they were calling so that we could have a good match. And I would give anything to go back and have those matches now and see what happens. But, you know, it's just, it. this crazy dream of mine taught me a lot about life, pursuing the things that you want to make work not trusting everybody because not everybody has your best interest at heart. Basically, it helped me become a man, so to speak. It helped me open my eyes to the world because a lot of the stuff you see behind the scenes or in the open in professional wrestling really opens your eyes and takes the rose-colored shades off to see the rest of the world. It, it's crazy how you can tell when somebody's trying to BS you or work you, as we call it. It's It's really, really insane. And I mean, it's... You know, depending on who you ask, it's it's a work, it's just a thing, it's business. Um, and I'd be lying if I said this wasn't a passion. I've loved it, I've hated it, I've tried to walk away from it. 
I've tried to be done. I've tried to sell my collection of figures at one point, and you know, here I am back collecting certain ones again, trying to collect figures of people that I've been on TV with or had a chance to talk to backstage or whatever. But you know, it's just it's crazy how it it all comes to be because I never really classified myself as somebody that should be living this dream. Um, I go from the fat kid in school covered in acne and zits with a mullet being made fun of reading wrestling biographies when I'm not, you know, when I finish my work in class to going to the gym but not losing weight as fast as people thought I would and doing it because I wanted to be a wrestler to becoming a wrestler and not looking like everybody thought I should look or this, that, or the other. Just any kind of merciless criticism and critiquing they could give. Just, it, it was what it was. And it's played a toll on my mental health. It definitely has. It's played a toll on my physical health. It's still catching up to me from college, the stupid choices of drinking and not giving myself enough sleep as I should. Um, you know, a lot of stuff has caught up to me. And now even as I'm married and have a family, it's taken its toll there because you have to sacrifice. And the thing that is, despite all these wins working with WWE multiple times and hopefully going back more, still fighting and clawing and scratching to kick that door open again, being in contact with TNA and Impact and having these opportunities, but realizing that your wife at home and your kids are sacrificing with you not being there. You know, it's it's a hard road to tow, especially for me because, you know, everybody has their differing opinions on things, but I mean... Getting the opportunities that I have now, uh, which in part come to Terry England and Vic the Bruiser, more so Terry England behind the scenes, asking me to come back two years ago at this point, um, a lot of faith and stock has been put in me that I wanted, you know, ten years ago. I mean, I eventually, before I ended up trying to walk away the first time after I got married, I became Tony's heavyweight champion at USWO, and before this abortion of a failed reboot that they tried to have and didn't even involve me in the process, I was the final champion for that eight, nine-year period before it came back. They did two shows, crowned a champion with a shitty replica WCW belt that wasn't even the belt that I held, and now they're out of business again. So, I mean, if you want to get right down to brass tacks, I will say I was the final champion. I was never supposed to be champion, and at that point, it meant more to me because... I got to be the face of the company. I was told I would never be the face of and never be anything more than the lowest point of the totem pole. And these opportunities that I've gotten now that Terry has kind of given me a chance to take the ball and run with, and even Brandon Wilson and Matt Classic with the AIWF, you know, and Herb Simmons too, up with uh, SICW in Illinois. You know, it's just, it's... I've had this issue with my wife where I'm prone to take on too much. And I end up diving too much headfirst into it like I've done with this podcast at the beginning. When I stockpile a bunch of interviews that I'm still using to air to this day, I just I tend to run away from the real world and immerse myself in this and just neglect everything. But as I've explained, whether it's the right thing, the wrong thing, a childish excuse, I've never expected to have people believe in me this much or to have these opportunities or to even hold a legitimate world title that may not be recognized by a WWE or one of these major companies or even the NWA, but to still have the same kind of system where I can travel around and work with these talents that may be the best in that area 
And it not only gives me a chance to up my game, but it gives me a chance to learn whether they've been working longer than me, shorter than me. I get to be in front of new crowds. I get to sightsee as I'm going if I'm able to stop and smell the roses, you know, and just be somewhere new, work with new people, and just make a lot of great connections along the way. They may not become friends, but they may become acquaintances. And, you know, it's just, it's new opportunities that I never really thought I would get. And I take the the role of being a champion very seriously, right, wrong, or indifferent, because it means I'm the face of something. I am the top tier. I have to go on at the end of the night, or I have to go on at the beginning of the night, if people understand that logic, and set the tone for the night. Or I have to close the show, which these people have waited maybe two, three, God forbid, sometimes four hours just to see that match. And I have to follow everything else that has come before me and do something different. And I have to work with the top choice. I have to see some some of these people, I have to be the measuring stick if they are cut out to do it. Or I, you know, a former star from TV may come in. I have to go with them and prove that I can, you know, hold my own and bring my worth to the table. So it's a lot of responsibility for something that some people might just call a prop, you know. But I I take it very seriously. I don't let it go to my head necessarily as an ego thing. But I take it as a business measure. Because you are trusting me enough to withhold this responsibility and... Uh, uphold, not withhold, English major kicking in, but uphold this responsibility and do it to the best of my ability and continue to grow at the same time. Uh, you know, and it's it's a lot of things that started from this 16-year journey, this roller coaster of ups and downs, having friends, losing friends, uh, being burned by people you thought were friends, and then losing friends who are friends of that person who... If their name comes up and they shit on you and you're not there, they're not going to defend you. But if you tell your side of the story, they dump all over you. So they weren't really your friend to begin with. You know, you just, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, I'm guilty of not stopping and seeing the forest through the trees because, I mean, I've gotten to work with WWE multiple times. I've gotten to talk to people that I used to watch on TV and sit in the locker room with them shoot the breeze with Tracy Smothers anytime I would see him before he passed away, and he would remember me even if it was years apart. He remembered me from a seminar we did two months into me, or actually no, it was a month into me starting training, and from that point on, he remembered me every time we were in a locker room together, and he was just, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better. Him cracking me up when we're out, you know, trying to do something serious on a show in front of the crowd... And he's sitting there making me laugh, and we're making each other laugh. You know, having that, getting to talk with Rob Conway and having him specifically request to work with me and me getting into the best shape of my life to prepare just to be able to look like I belong in the ring with him and hang with him. Just all these things that weren't supposed to happen. Being on a premium live event or a pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it, with SummerSlam, out of the blue, uh... You know, and hearing about other extras being cut off that show, expecting me to be cut off that show. Um, getting to do a poker scene with Baron Corbin and John Bradshaw Layfield, like my one of my favorite WWE champions growing up when the Ruthless Aggression era was going on. Like, all these things that I'd never thought were supposed to happen for me happened. Have I made a lot of dumb choices during this? Absolutely. Have I spent money that I didn't have to make sure I had the best-looking gear and the best boots and everything else? Yes. Have I lost jobs over this? Yes. 
Have I lost relationships over this? Yes. Um, have I missed things that I probably should have been at for this? Yes. Have I learned as I've gone along the way 100% more than anything? Yes, I have. Are there things I would change? Yes. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I've chased a dream. I've done it for 16 years. I don't know how much longer it's going to go. I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know that I'm grateful for the ride. I'm grateful for the learning experiences, and I'm grateful for the life experiences that it has provided me all this time and for the opportunities it's given me to meet people, whether they were good experiences, bad experiences, became best friends, never talked to them again. It's It's been a wild, wild, hellacious ride. And it all started because... I wouldn't listen to people telling me my dreams were stupid. And in saying all this, going almost 25 minutes, I, I really hope, as my anniversary of this has passed, I hope people will realize just how passionate I am about this, about my acting, about everything that I do, because in some way, shape, or form, it all comes back to wrestling. It's all intertwined and connected. And at the same time, too, I do it, now that I have kids, whether they realize it, whether my wife, whether anybody gets it or not, I'm chasing something that people told me were impossible. But as I'm doing it and as I'm having these wins, I want to set the example for my kids, for other kids, for other people, that no matter what anybody tells you, if you are dedicated enough and there's a will, there's a way that people can do this. People can follow their dreams and, you know, you may be lucky enough one day to actually provide for your family and have a comfortable lifestyle because of what you did following your dreams. Whether it's becoming a rocket scientist, whether it's becoming a doctor, an astronaut, you know, whatever it may be, you followed your dreams and now you're living the life that you deserve because of that. And that's the kind of example I want to set, even though I may not portray that half the time, but... I think I've rambled on for enough now. So I I hope you guys have enjoyed letting me wax poetic about my last almost two decades, putting my body through torture, trying to walk away from the addiction, coming right back in and diving in head first, and just chasing a dream and seeing where it goes, not knowing where the road will end, knowing where I'd like for it to end, but not knowing if it's going to happen that way. But at the same time, too, and... Some way, I hope it's motivated you to want to go out and chase your dreams and feel empowered to go and do something that will make yourself proud or make your younger your younger self, if they were looking up to you now, proud to know that they did something, that you did something that they wanted to do that they didn't think they could do. So I hope you make your younger self proud at the same time. And if you already are doing something like that, I hope you give yourself a little credit because... I know I'm guilty of not giving myself enough credit. So I hope you don't take a page out of my playbook there and give yourself some credit. And at the same time too, saying all that guys, as I wrap it up, if you haven't already, I really truly hope that you will hit that subscribe button. I hope that you will subscribe, like, and share. You'll hope you'll leave a five star review. If you think I've earned it, this has been almost a three year endeavor now. And I mean, it's who knows where it's going to go from here. But it's only going to keep going as long as you guys keep listening and we got some topics to talk about, which we do. But on top of that, too, I really hope you'll go to my website at theflynnhendrix.com and check out the shop. Get a shirt. Get an autographed 8x10. Get an autographed exclusive event poster. If you like collectibles, I've got Star Wars and Dragon Ball. I've got WWE stuff on there. 
And right now, every purchase not only comes with a free autographed trading card, while supplies last, of course, but 10% of every sale will benefit St. Jude's and the Nashville Humane Association, along with helping me keep this podcast going. So let's get connected on social media. Let's get the word out. Let's get those five-star reviews in. Go to the shop. Get some merchandise. Take a picture and tag me in it on social media. I'll give you a shout-out on the show. Let's benefit some charities while we do it. Get some awesome merch. Get that Dubby Energy at 10% off with the code Flynn Hendricks. And you know what, guys? While you're at it, because it's going to be... You know what? It's going to be Thanksgiving before I'm back with you again. So if you're on the road, be safe. Enjoy the time with your family. And if you celebrate... Have a happy Thanksgiving and use this podcast next Friday while you're out shopping or spending time with your family or on the road. And then we'll do it all again the week after too. So from my family to yours and everybody out there listening from Jeff's family, I hope you chase your dreams. I hope you and yours have a happy Thanksgiving. And I hope I'll catch you back here next Friday for another awesome episode. And I know you hear me. I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.